Shabbat Shalom, brothers and sisters. Good to see you all. Trust that everybody is enjoying the feast so far. Day number three. This keeps getting better day by day. As today, by all accounts, it seems like Family Day was a great success. Perhaps we could take a moment to acknowledge those that coordinated our brothers and sisters from CGI Ottawa. Good job. Today, I want to touch on three points um, in my message. Give me one second here. And most of it actually is for the purpose of those who are keeping the feast amongst us for the first time. Quick show of hands, those who are keeping the feast for the first time or perhaps are new to the faith, so there are a few out there. And even for those of us who have kept the feast for over 10 years, in some cases over 40 or over 50, um, some of the points that I'll raise will certainly help to serve us as a reminder. Uh, It's certainly a beneficial thing to always reinforce the things that we already know in order to strengthen our conviction. So here's what we'll cover. Point number one, why we observe the feast. Secondly, what the feast represents. And thirdly, how we should keep the feast. And guess what, brothers and sisters, we're going to cover all of that in less than 15 minutes. (laughs) Otherwise, I'm in trouble. (laughs) So the first point, and I'll go through this quickly, why we observe the Feast of Tabernacles. Why we observe the Feast of Tabernacles. First point here, quite simply, we are commanded to. And to be honest with you, that should be reason enough that God has commanded us to keep this seven-day plus one feast onto him. Please turn with me to Deuteronomy 16. We can take a look at the command, scripture that we've read earlier and we're very familiar with. We'll read it one more time, where the details of the command of the feast are further instructed here. A little bit more uh, detail and instruction than what we read in Leviticus 23. Deuteronomy 16, 13 to 15 Thou shalt observe the Feast of Tabernacles seven days, and thou, after that thou hast gathered in thy corn and thy wine, and thou shalt rejoice in thy feast, thou and thy son and thy daughter and thy manservant and thy maidservant and the Levite, the stranger and the fatherless and the widow that are within thy gates." Seven days shalt thou keep a solemn feast unto the Lord thy God in the place which the Lord shall choose, because the Lord thy God shall bless thee in all thine increase and in all the works of thine hands. Therefore, thou shalt surely rejoice. So that's our instruction there to keep the feast of tabernacles. The second point as to why we observe the feast, quite simply, Christ observed the feast. Did he not, brothers and sisters? Our perfect example, Jesus Christ, observes the feast. And if we want to call ourselves Christians, keeping in the way, we ought to live lives modeled after that of Yeshua, Jesus the Christ. So that's another reason why we keep this feast. And lastly, it's a significant part in God's plan of salvation. Will we all agree? This festival is a very, very significant part in God's plan of salvation for the entire world. And we'll certainly be hearing more of that throughout the rest of the feast. 
So what does the Feast of Tabernacles represent, brothers and sisters? What does it represent? And here I would like to get a little bit of interaction as I survey the room. And once again, as mentioned, we have persons who have kept the feast for you know, over 30 years, 40 years, and in some cases over 50 years. So there's so much knowledge and wisdom within this room. So let's take a few minutes to kind of learn from each other, uh, kind of open it up. What does this festival, this seven plus one day festival, Feast of Tabernacles, represent? Somebody. Go ahead, brother. Pardon me? Harvest. Absolutely. Feast of Harvest, certainly. Who else? Yes, bro? Love that. Beautiful. Perfect harmony with God. What else? What does this festival represent? The kingdom of God, the kingdom coming to earth. Yes, sir. Go ahead. Absolutely. A change like this world has never seen. Absolutely. Somebody have their hand up over here? Okay. Sorry, go ahead, bro. God dwelling with man. I like that. Very nice. Nice and simple. Perhaps one or two more? Oh, go ahead, brother. Certainly. Absolutely. Absolutely. So a couple more. Yes, brother? A time of love and peace. I like that. I have a young... Go ahead, dear. Beautiful. Praise God. Thank you very much for sharing that. We'll take one more. The end of disease, absolutely. So the Feast of Tabernacles certainly does represent all that was shared. Now let's see what I put together here in terms of what the Feast of Tabernacles represents. And thank you very much for your participation. And most of this, or I believe all of this, was shared. So we're all on the same page here. The kingdom of God on earth and the eternal inheritance for the saints of God. We, brothers and sisters, will be given a new body. We will become spirit beings, and we will be ever changed forevermore. Secondly, and this was just recently mentioned, a coming time of unprecedented harmony and peace. Harmony and peace like this world has never seen before. A time when the adversary, Satan the devil, will be locked away, which is largely represented by the Day of Atonement, to deceive the nations no more for that period of a thousand years during the millennial reign. So there certainly will be peace on earth during that time. And also a time when our Lord, our Savior and King, Jesus Christ, will be coming back, and he indeed will be crowned, and he will reign, brothers and sisters, as what? King of kings and Lord of lords. Amen. Now, Here's what God expects of us, or here's why God expects the very best of us, especially here at the Feast of Tabernacles, a celebration of kings and priests, which is what the theme is this year here in Collingwood, a celebration of kings and priests. So this is what God expects of us. 1 Peter 2, verse 9. Let's turn there quickly. 1 Peter 2, verse 9. Verse 2, verse 9, but you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, 
his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Wow. Beautiful. Exodus 19, verse 5. Let's turn there. Exodus 19 and verse 5. So we're just highlighting what God expects of his chosen people, especially here at the feast and moving forward. Exodus 19 and verse 5. Now, therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice, saith the Lord, and keep my covenant, then you shall be a special treasure to me above all people. For all the earth is mine, and you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words which you shall speak to the children of Israel. The Feast of Tabernacles, brothers and sisters, a celebration of kings and priests. That's what we have to look forward to. I'll just throw this out as I begin to wind down as a question. How many of us, and let's be honest, took the time to read the festival brochure from front to back. It was put together very well from our festival coordination team. How many of us read it in full from front to back? Okay, so maybe about a quarter of us. Okay, so we're going to go through a part of it that I do want to share together. I do believe that this was put together with prayerful consideration. I'm referring to the checklist. We have a kings and priests and training festival checklist. And these aren't rules. They certainly aren't any new commands that the church is introducing into the church. But these are suggestions, brothers and sisters, or perhaps even recommendations, that if we do these things, if we practice these things over the course of the next five days throughout the feast, and ultimately when we go back into the world, into our homes and our congregations, these are things that will further prepare us for our future roles in the kingdom as kings and priests. So I do want to take an opportunity to just go through this together collectively as a family of believers so that we can have these points instilled within us and once again practice them over the course of the next few days of the feast. So if we can load that up. Very good. So we're actually going to read this together in unison. We're all going to read this together nice and loud at the same time, point by point. We don't have to worry about what's in the brackets. We'll just kind of read uh, what's there. Are you with me? Let's go. I plan to show love and respect to my brethren. I plan to be courteous to service staff and positively reflect the character of Jesus Christ. I plan to telephone or write to someone who wasn't able to attend the feast. I plan to come early to services and or stay late to fellowship. I plan to take time to meet new people. Very important. I plan to take someone to lunch or dinner or invite a new friend to a get-together. I plan to serve when asked to volunteer. I plan to focus on the meaning of the feast. The next page. I plan to review my notes from services. Hopefully we're taking notes. <laughs> I plan to apply the lessons that I hear in the messages. I plan to respond to prayer requests. I plan to keep prayer and Bible study as high priorities. I plan to fulfill the scriptural instructions 
to help the strangers, widows, fatherless, and poor to enjoy the feast. I plan to take care of my health, get enough sleep, eat properly, and get some exercise. That's one's for me. <laughs> I plan to make time for my children to do their homework, if applicable, of course. Thank you very much for that, brothers and sisters. Now, is that something individually and, of course, collectively as a group that we can all commit to giving our very best effort, brothers and sisters, over the course of the next five days? Do I have your commitment? Praise God. Because truly, as I said, if indeed we go through those points and what we read earlier and all of the messages and everything that we read, it will indeed truly prepare us for our future calling which is one of the main reasons why we're here at the Feast of Tabernacles. I recall on opening night, during the opening night service, Pastor Adrian Davis did the opening prayer. And one of the things he prayed to Yahweh was that for each and every one of us here in Collingwood to have a transformative feast, to have a transformative feast. So that when we eventually go back into the world, back into our homes, back to our jobs, you say back to life, back to reality, we won't be the same as we are now. You know, brothers brothers and sisters, it doesn't really matter if you're here for the first time, if you've kept the feast, you know, this is your first feast or your 50th feast. None of us are perfect. Each and every one of us have something that we can change. So that should be one of our goals, to find something that we can change. So that indeed this will be a transformative feast for each and every one of us as we prepare for future rulership in the coming kingdom of God, a celebration of kings and priests. God be with you.